Hello, it's Friday, April 9th. I'm Daniel Williams, and this is the MGMA Week in Review, where each week we bring you some of the most important, interesting, and inspiring stories happening in healthcare leadership and medical practices today. This week we begin with some healthcare advocacy news. MGMA, along with over 100 other leading healthcare organizations, is urging Congress to reject legislative language that would continue to prohibit the Department of Health and Human Services from spending any federal dollars to adopt a national patient identifier. The U.S. House of Representatives passed bipartisan legislation in the past two fiscal years that would repeal this prohibition. The absence of a consistent approach to accurately identify patient results is a significant cost to practices and hinders efforts to facilitate health information exchange, particularly during the COVID-19 pandemic. Inaccurate patient identification can lead to patient safety concerns when health data is either matched to the wrong patient or when a patient's data is not matched and is left out of the record. Lifting the prohibition will permit HHS to evaluate a range of patient identification solutions that are cost-effective, scalable, and secure. In other advocacy news, CMS begins recouping accelerated and advanced payments. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services announced that the recoupment of Medicare accelerated and advanced payment loans began for some providers as early as March 31st of this year. Following congressional action last year, repayment of AAP loans is set to begin one year from the date the payment was originally issued in the form of automatic withholds on Medicare claims. Providers with questions about the recoupment process or who would like to repay their AAP loan as a lump sum should contact their MAC directly. Also, MGMA Government Affairs will be presenting a Washington Policy Outlook during next month's Medical Practice Excellence Pathways Conference. The discussion will provide an update on current and potential policy developments impacting medical practices, including Medicare payment updates, the latest on federal COVID-19 financial relief programs, and how members play a crucial role in MGMA's advocacy initiatives. To learn more or to register, go to mgma.com slash pathways conference. Our next article is on telehealth. FCC moves forward with $250 million telehealth program with a focus on equitable distribution. This article comes from Fierce Healthcare. The Federal Communications Commission this week unanimously approved a process for distributing nearly $250 million to help healthcare providers deliver telehealth services. The second round of funding for the COVID-19 telehealth program builds on the $200 million program established as part of the CARES Act last year. 
The funding will cover the cost of providers' telecommunication services, information services, and connected devices necessary to enable telehealth during the COVID-19 pandemic. The agency said it expects to begin accepting healthcare providers' applications for the funds within 30 days. This past year has proven without a doubt that telehealth technology is critical to helping address inequities in access to healthcare services. And with today's unanimous approval of the report and order, the FCC remains ready to address these challenges head on, said FCC Acting Chairwoman Jessica Rosenworcel. As part of the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021, Congress called on the FCC to increase transparency of the FCC's COVID-19 telehealth program and to establish a clear set of rules and guidelines for evaluating applications. The program requirements we adopt today strike the right balance between ensuring a wide and equitable distribution of funding and promoting the widest possible participation of healthcare providers, said Commissioner Brendan Carr. The reliance on telehealth technology will continue to grow even as the nation starts to see relief from this devastating pandemic. While we're in a much stronger position than we were when the COVID-19 telehealth program was initially adopted, we're not out of the woods yet. That's why we must continue to move swiftly on this second round of awards, Carr said. The program requirements for the second round of funding will give significant weight to applications proposing to serve low-income communities, according to Commissioner Jeffrey Starks. The changes we made to the draft will better ensure that the highest poverty areas receive a high level of our attention, Starks said. I'll leave you with an article from the Harvard Business Review. Three ways to help your team recover from disruption. Many organizations wrestle with how to excel in rapidly changing times. At some point or another, they encounter challenges that force them to modify the way they do things so they can continue to meet expectations. Some do it better than others, and it usually comes down to how confident they feel about their team's ability to absorb disruptions. What is it about teams that are successful at recovering from disruption? Previous and ongoing research suggests swarm intelligence could be part of the answer. Swarm intelligence refers to the ways in which decentralized and self-organized organisms behave. It's what makes ants, bees, birds, and fish display sophisticated collective behaviors that even humans can find inspiring. For example, how they search for food or distribute the work that needs to be done in a colony. Extrapolating this idea to humans, collective self-healing happens at the level of the team, not the individual. It's enabled when team members take the initiative to swap tasks. Even if those tasks are outside their traditional roles, this way they become interchangeable in the same way as ants do, as a strategy to adapt to unexpected situations. As author Syra Cristancho writes, 
In our ongoing research, my colleagues and I have built on previous work by conducting in-depth interviews with members of action teams, including emergency response teams, police SWAT teams, trauma teams, and military healthcare teams. We found that through training, these teams have developed an instinct for interchangeability that makes them very effective at collective self-healing. In essence, we've learned so far that three key features bestow these self-healing teams with a formidable capacity for adaptation. The following three techniques can inspire your team to recover from disruptions more quickly. First, get things done regardless of who does it. Since everyone on a self-healing team is focused on the same goal, they don't get stuck arguing about who should be doing what. They just see what needs to be done and they do it. Second, capitalize on distributed leadership. Self-healing teams adopt a cross-training mindset to help each other learn how to fill in the gaps when a team member can't. It doesn't matter if you're the leader or not. What matters is that everybody is ready to step and to take on tasks outside of their role if needed. And finally, realize the limits of your own expertise and seek help when needed. Self-healing teams understand that when things go awry, there's no place for people with big egos. They know they must call out bad behavior. And if you're the one being called out, you better shake it off fast so that the team continues to operate as a cohesive unit. Keep up with the latest industry news by subscribing to the MGMA Insights Newsletter at mgma.com slash insights newsletter. And if you want to become part of the healthcare discussion, you can join the MGMA stat panel by texting stat to 33550. If you have a healthcare story you want to share with us, email us at podcast at mgma.com. This has been the MGMA Week in Review. I'm Daniel Williams. Thanks and have a great weekend.